Hello. Welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv slash rolltogetherrpg slash schedule. Please do leave a review, and we look forward to adventuring together. everyone and welcome to talk together i hope you're all having a lovely morning afternoon or evening depending on where you are in the world i'm chris i'll be hosting tonight and i'm joined by emma from the same room yes, so, <laughs> but, yes. but the backgrounds are different color so you can pretend we're in different places if, if you want to internet you can pretend that we a married couple are in different places that is your decision <laughs> and your prerogative <laughs> no we've been talking about fracture and astariel specifically but first a massive thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters the d20 club you know who you are thank you so much for your support and uh, hero forge ultra pro phoenix dice alchemy rpg idol champions warriors of Waterdeep. no they're long gone uh, neverwinter and um elderwood academy when i say they're long gone the game <laughs> Is no longer available. <laughs> oh, that's so... Not that something awful happened. It's so sad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're all together RPG on all social media. And a massive thank you to everyone. Search for podcasts if you wish to. Hello. Hello, darling. Hello. Oh, me. Hello. Sorry, I thought you were still talking to the audience. <laughs> darling normally refers to you. <laughs> How are you? Yes, good. So, Fracture, Astariel. What's a good place to start when talking about Asta? Um, where did the idea for Asta come from? It's kind of an extension of another character I played a few years ago, um, who was a swashbuckler rogue, also a Scourge Asimar, but the old version, not the new version, which is what Asta is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea with that one was that they kind of like went nuclear. I just really like the glowing. And so I thought, let's do... The, the Scourge Asimov part again, but with a different base. Mm-hmm. And um, what really doesn't work with being in the middle of combat and hurting people. Great, squishy wizard, let's try that. Uh, so then it was a case of like, how does this concept work? Mm-hmm. Um, how, like, does it fit together? I'd already pretty much decided on a Evoker wizard because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed playing Shavara. Um, and so I thought, I'll, I'll bring that back. If I'm going to be playing someone for a very long time, it was, let's be honest, it was always either going to be a wizard or a paladin. Yeah, <laughs> and we had many discussions where we were like, well, if you make a wizard and they become combatter, you could always multiclass into paladin, but not with Asta because his strength is... is um, no, but um, it is a dirty multiclass. Below, <laughs> well below what you'd need. Paladin sorcerer is better for that one because they're both yeah. charisma based, but you know. So anyway, full-on Evoker Wizard is the plan, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously with an Evoker, if you're still in the middle of combat, you can cast spells on yourself and not hurt yourself or, you know, a number of people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, added on top of that, you do just extra damage to whatever ends its turn within, whatever's within so many feet of you at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. And you can do extra damage once per turn. So you can also... If you shoot somebody with something or blow someone up with something, you can add an extra couple of points of damage. It's not a lot, but it it adds up over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the idea of someone who just 
it, I mean, it's essentially a bomb, right? Like they stand in the middle of combat and everything explodes. You're, Which we'll get to when we get fireball in like <laughs> fourteen weeks. Your your scourge Asimar. This is your rogue from um, uh, Omen. Omen. God, that's a long time ago. Yeah, with adventures Char. wanted a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Char did stand in the middle of combat and, and wreak havoc while while standing in the middle of combat. That was just a normal thing for them. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the- the main thing I remember about Charmite, like the, the moment that sticks in my mind, which is not a defining moment of the character, is you went, oh, there's a phoenix egg in the middle of that lava. And I went, oh, I'll just go pick it up. And then you were like, no, it's like, it's it's 10 feet tall. I was like, well, I'm here now. Oh, uh, uh, yes. You wandered into lava, which was never wise. It was to really bad. pick up an egg. And you went, oh, it's, it's, I'll just pick it up. Like, it's an egg. I went, no, no, no. It's yeah, an egg. It was a really big egg. That was, it was, it nearly got everybody killed. It was bad. Uh, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> Back in the Stone Ages. Um, cool. Scourge, Asimar, Wizard, and Evoker Wizard was a lock-in because of Shavarith, who is your character, or was your character from Warriors of Waterdeep. Speaking of, yes. Yeah. What drew you back to Evoker Wizard over Paladin? At the time, I had a paladin in a long-running game, so it was like, well, if I'm going to have two long-running games, I'll have one that's a paladin and one that is a wizard. Um, that that game was incended, which is a shame, but you know these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of it was like, if I do a paladin, people have already seen a lot of me playing a paladin. Um, they've seen a lot of prosperous. How do I make a character that isn't prosperous? Because, like, it's such a <laughs> it's such a defining character of mine. How do I? What would I do if it wasn't going to be that? And I mean, I do have a um, a paladin concept that's very different to that, but that's the paladin that I was playing in the other long-running game, home yeah. game. So th- yeah, at who, the time, it would was, have been like, oh, I, all I play now is paladins. Who was closer to Reek. Yes, yeah, yeah much closer, dex-based, yeah. dex-based paladin, um, which is a really good build. If you haven't played one, I would recommend it. Mm. Um, and then if you're going to play something in a long-term campaign, if you're going to go through the effort of going through all the levels, <laughs> why not play a spellcaster? Because they, they only get better. Um, you know, with your fighter, barbarian, you, you're doing the same thing at level 15 as you have been doing since level one. You run in, you smack the thing. I mean, you can make this argument for paladins as well, right? But, <sighs> but you get divine smite and different things. And like, I'm not shitting on fighters or barbarians i think they're both great fun to play yes you are but it's a different it's different <laughs> whereas a wizard level one you're like well i can't do anything i have two spell slots and i'm done like yeah. i'm out at level 10 you can change the battlefield entirely yeah. every turn yeah that is true you most certainly can um yeah I mean, it makes sense to me. I can I can see all that makes it. The first character I played in the long running home game was a wizard as well. So yeah, I can yeah. I vibe with that. And of course, we have the um, old D and D axiom of uh, quadratic uh, was it linear fighters, quadratic wizards, where fighters yeah. get slightly better over time, but wizards just it's a curve. You just go flying off the end of it. The thing I really like about spellcasters as well, and it, I mean, it's slightly less so with wizard than some of the other uh, more support classes, mm-hmm. is you can make other people better as well. Like you get things like haste, fly. Yes. Um, you know, you 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 can focus on making yourself way better. Like obviously, you can. You can level up all your combat spells, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can also take spells that make things easier for everyone else, more fun for everyone else. Okay, so we know a couple of people who play Wizards a lot. 
George being the obvious example here, who also likes to play a control wizard with a lot of like assistance, like combat mm-hmm. assistance for other other characters. But that's not where I would place the wizard if I was looking at like um, traditional party roles. Wizards tend to fall into that same bracket as sorcerers of um, arcane glass cannons. But the joy is that you can do both. Yeah, it's true. You don't have to. You don't have to pick one. You can cast <laughs> fireball one round and wall of force the next. There's no oh, wall of force. Uh, you can you can have haste up while you're blowing things up. Like there yeah. is no there's no limit there. You don't have to choose. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think of support class, you think of the classic support classes, which usually tend to have some healing involved or some classic buff spells. But you don't think of wall of force as a buff spell. When it is, it controls the battlefield. Haste is obviously a buff spell, but you don't think of it as one because of the classes it generally tends to fall under. I mean, haste is obviously a support spell. There's no like, there's no question of that 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 just it is the wall force and battlefield control. You're protecting the party by not necessarily putting protections on them, but saving them from the elements of the. Uh, yeah. I think you know, holes protecting from dragon's breath, um, bridges, all sorts of things that you can create with wall of force. Yeah, that just stop environmental hazards from being an issue for a while. Yeah, the um, home game you DM'd yesterday, I absolutely loved the point when I could go, oh, this terrible environmental hazard, Waterstone, it's done now. There is no hazard anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is nice having casters, and especially because we're long-running campaign, which is something we do in home games all the time. But on stream, it's the first time we've done it. Did you specifically therefore go, wizards get better over time, ergo I will enjoy the levelling up over time? Because wizards famously suck absolute balls at first level. They, they, I, I'm going to say levels one to three have been challenging. Um, as anyone who watched Tuesday's stream will have seen, with me desperately trying to push someone out of an airlock for some unbeknown reason. <laughs> um, I mean... I mean, it, it was a disaster fight, but it was a disaster <laughs> fight in the best possible way because it was these very low-level characters going, well, we've, we're committed now <laughs> and trying to deal with an impossible situation. Yeah, which is fun in its mm. own way yeah. for limited periods of time. Then you're like, come on, I want to be able to cast shield every turn. Um, <laughs> I mean, from a DM's perspective, I like the early levels for a bit of that sense of the world is scary and things can kill us because it, it, it's... Once a party breaks level five, the threat has to be quite heavy for there to be any sense of threat at all. That's the fun part, because then you can be like, oh, you're level 10, you see Tiamat, and... and you but can, that's too much, because there's no way the party will win that that's, fight. Well, that's an exaggeration, but, I mean, level 10 characters, you can throw a heck of a lot at them, can. and they yeah. will survive. And so you it loses... Lower levels, your balance is, as your DMing is, is this going to kill them? Mm. And if it is potentially going to kill them, how am I going to DM it so it doesn't, right? Unless yeah. you're really deliberately. Higher mm-hmm. levels, yeah. you're tr- actively trying to kill them and you can't. Uh, I, I, I high DM, levels, you're I actively DM, trying to kill them and you can't. I DM to actively kill at high levels. <laughs> and then if it all turns out to be too much, I, pu- I start pulling back on things. You'll see in fights that I've done, I start forgetting legendary resistances, hmm. um, forgetting legendary actions, uh, choosing the slightly less good attack, choosing not to use the breath weapon. But I go all in from the start because then you get a sense of how it's going to go. No one wants to walk through a fight and come out and go, that was too easy. No. no a, there is a worse feeling, which is everyone's dead and there's a TPK, which no one wants. No one wants TPK. TPK is a, TPK is a failure on everyone's part, yeah. especially the DMs, which is never good. But... Um, 
I do think that the the second worst feeling, not as bad as that, is we're breezing through this. We know there's no challenge, there's no threat. There's got to be a sense of threat, which gets harder and harder as they level up. I agree. It's when you've got to start faking dice rolls. I mean, you can't. I don't think as a DM, you can choose not to fake dice rolls, but then you end up with combats where literally nothing happens because so, you roll tens every time. You and I have interesting discussions about fudging because um, you and I have very similar feelings about fudging in that as a player, there's truly very little point unless you, the human being, because you're a human being, go, I don't want to fail this role. It will make me feel bad. Or the other way around. I really want to fail this role because it's going to be more interesting. Yeah. Like either of those, it's one of the reasons we don't... Um, we as a company don't like um, police dice rolls because what on earth is the point? It also means that there's a, there's a level at which you as the player have agency, which sometimes you need, and that's okay. Like Mental health issues are a thing, and the ability to go, I have agency in this moment, despite what the dice have said, fine. But from a DM perspective, yeah, constant fudging. Yeah, no one wants to feel like the DM is trying to get at them, like, oh, it always hits me, or um, yeah. oh, it never hits blah. But if it's just raising attention, so you're at the point where people are down and need healing, or... Um, you know, there's the potential of that happening or, you know, other things like, um, oh, I mean, sometimes, right, someone casts a hypnotic pattern right at the start of the fight and you roll and they fail and you're like, I'm going to fudge it because it, even though it's, it's not great, if I don't fudge it, this whole thing is done. See, there's an interesting one because that's actually referring to a real example that I DM'd and you played in where I said to you afterwards, I wish I'd fudged it because I set up this great combat and the player shut it down in one go. And your point to me was, that's what he wanted to do. And you let him shut it down in one go. And it meant that his character, who is not combat efficient at all, had a bearing on combat. So it was the right choice, even though you regretted it afterwards because it gave that player the sense that they could interact in a combat situation where they usually can't. Situational. Yeah. That's Sometimes it's like, oh, you're going to fight 20 goblins. <laughs> Someone casts it, not a party, like, great, it catches 10 of them. But yeah, if exactly. you've only got one, that's when it's, it's different. Well, it's that, it's that Sly Flourish um, book on um, narrative combat that's so good. This idea that combat serves a narrative function. Mm. That you want combat to tell a story as much as you want your, your D&D game to tell a story. And... While there is an element of randomness to live play and, and randomness to, you know, streams that is good and you want some randomness in the dice rolls. Like, even if I'm fudging, I always roll the dice to see what the, <laughs> to see what answer should be happening and then go either yes, I agree with that or no, that's shit. And then try and find a way to balance that better. Um, randomness is good. Randomness in DD games is excellent and you want that balance. But sometimes you've been playing for two hours and 50 minutes on a stream that runs for three hours and you need a good cliffhanger. And I'm fine with that. I, the litmus test I tend to draw with myself is if I was a player in this situation and the DM fudged throw and I found out about it afterwards, would I be disappointed? Oh because God. that's the only... How do you have time to think about that? Oh, not in the moment. Jesus Christ, not in the moment. It's impossible in the moment. In the moment, <laughs> it's just a, do I like that, yes or no? No, if after the fact I go, was there too much fudging in that one because I fudged that role and that was important, how would I feel if I was a player? and my cool thing was denied or the situation that I wanted gone was extended and that sort of thing. Generally, if it's someone's like their one cool thing that they do, I'll try and facilitate it. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, if this is a game about letting people embody... Wish fulfilment. And, Sometimes yeah. you've got to have some wish fulfilment. Absolutely, wish fulfilment is really important. 
Also, if a player does a cool thing and it doesn't work and it's their one cool thing of the day, that's just, I hate as a player. It makes me so sad when you're like, it's a once per day ability. This is the perfect moment. I use it. They pass the save. Never mind. Ah, well. Yeah. I think that's the difference between the shorter campaigns we usually do and long-running mm. campaigns. Because in a shorter campaign, you may only get to do that once. Yeah. If it's a four-parter, that might only happen once. You might have one day. It's true. Um, whereas in a long-running campaign, it's fine for things to not happen because you're going to have many, many opportunities. And in some ways, it's more interesting for the characters if things do fail. I'm trying to think if I fudge more or less in Fracture than I would in a, in a regular campaign of ours. So far, I do think it's less. I think you're right. There's been a couple. I think there's moments where which, it's obviously, really, but <laughs> there's moments where it's really important for characters, and you want to yeah. make that happen. And there's moments where it's not actually that important. Mm. And in in many ways, a failure would be just as interesting as a success. In in, in some cases, yes. more. Um, well, look at look at Tuesday. I mean, how many nat ones did Ed roll? Uh, I think it's five. I still feel bad about that because I suggested it in the first place and he really you, didn't have to do it. You didn't control his <laughs> dice. What you said was maybe if you jump on it and ride it down, which is not a terrible idea, but then he tried to get his flying friend to help him who went, <laughs> your problem, after Tom failed a deck save and then went, no, for story, my character's a bastard again. Um, and then he rolled a one on a D100. Yeah, like he's... Ed has... Ed, I mean... Ed's dice luck has always been very varying, but the last episode, Tuesday's episode, it's just a car crash. Like It was very entertaining. It was very, very funny. There wasn't much fudging around all that combat, and I've looked back on it and gone, where could I have fudged to have made it cleaner? But actually, I think it worked well in that it wasn't very clean. Yeah, and it things like, um, obviously, Aster's trying to push someone out of the airlock, I kind of like that that didn't work, because yeah. it's not what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, it was like a last ditch. There is nothing else this character can do, and it shouldn't work. And if you had like if you had fudge to make that work, it wouldn't have had the same overall feeling. I'm trying to think of if there were if there was a point during that where I considered fudging it so that Sever did fall out and that's just killed him. I don't think there was a, a fudge moment in that. There was always going to be a, if someone's hanging out of the um, hanging out of the airlock to get a dex save. Because otherwise, I push someone off the cliff. I rolled. They're off. Gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. Goodbye. Um, deck save to hang on is, is always better. It also means I was hoping for more story moments of Sebat hanging out the airlock and you're not trying to talk to him. <laughs> Going, look, sure, I've pushed people out of airlocks, but not all the time. Because <laughs> minor, minor thing that I hope people caught is that, yes, Sebat is all of the terrible things people say about them but also not to the degree everyone says it. Like, there's an element of it, but also it's a it's a boogeyman complex. Oh, yeah. I think you did that thing that DMs sometimes do, though, where halfway through that, we were like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're all like, this is good. We're doing it. And then you went, yes, if it doesn't push people out of airlocks, and all of us went, oh, no. We have to reevaluate everything we're doing. <laughs> no, no. I think you, you saw us all do it, and you went... He does sometimes push people out of airlocks. We were fine, fine, good. We're, yeah, yeah, sometimes. We're fine. It was always a sometimes. <laughs> it was always very significantly a, Sevet is not a nice person. Sevet is also not. Like, when you are put in a room with furnaces, that's for compacting trash. This hub, whatever it is, used you, to... You can say that as many times as you like, but it's you a murder room. Murder room. But, <laughs> Em, I'm not going to lie. I designed it so you would think it was a murder room. 
This is intentional. <laughs> because what I wanted was that feeling of these teenagers going, oh my God, I'm in a murder room. And someone to go, we just can't, this used to be a trash compactor. This whole thing used to be a trash compactor. It was a ship that compacted trash. That's why it has a furnace room with a hole at the bottom. Otherwise, why the hell would that be there? Yeah, but why would you put people in the furnace room if you didn't want to intimidate them? He wanted to intimidate you. Well, exactly. He, it was a murder room. Literally, one of the most <laughs> dangerous people in the entire universe we have set up said, make an example of this one. What do you do at that point? Who said that? No, they didn't. The, the, the massive figure in the helmet did. Yeah, they did. Don't think so. They didn't say make an example. They made they they basically said this is getting on my tits. Please get it out of the way. Like, can you stop this person from bothering us during our very important business transaction? And they did that typical um, evil character thing of saying, "Make it go away." Like, <laughs> like it was it was just a shut it all down. And Sevitson terrible well, was terribly fearful of this person, person, whatever they are. Yeah. You know what I'm sad about? Small thing. The editors do a wonderful job on some of the voice editing, and I don't think you've heard what that character sounds like with all the vocoder stuff on it. I, I don't watch it back. Sorry. That character is... I mean, no, massive spoilers. The, the, the Darth Vader analogue I set up is going to turn up at some point. Going to no. return. You mean you made that to come back? It looked like a throwaway character. And they're right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a lot of Star Wars in Fracture. That's just... that's. It's not surprising to me, but there's and a lot yet of stuff. You won't watch Star Wars with me. I am disappointed. Um, I've seen the who original has, Star Wars. Who hasn't? No, 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 no. Who hasn't? Okay, um, I don't think you and I have actually talked about this in great detail, but since we're, since we're here, one of the first video cassettes that I owned that was in my parents' house when there were no other video cassettes except for, like... I think um, you're, you're dating yourself. Oh my god, yeah, I'm old. That's fine. But, like, the video cassettes that were in my parents' house when I was, you know, my son's age, 9, 10-ish, were Mr. Bean videos. Mm, classic. Recorded um, videos of British TV, because we were in Germany and they couldn't get any British TV, so they'd missed out on tons of it. So, like, an odd episode of Porridge and Only Fools and Horses and random shit like that. <laughs> and the first three Star Wars movies. So if I wanted to watch anything that wasn't terrestrial TV, I watched the first three Star Wars movies. I have seen them all inside out, upside down, can literally quote along, tell you things about every single scene, <laughs> camera shot, everything. Like, okay, so it's an easy one. Um, in when, when, the, when the droids are picked up at the beginning by the Jawa Sandcrawler and um, are put inside it, you meet a ton of other droids. Yes. Loads and loads of those of them. Three of them, three of them are characters in the expanded universe with long backstory details that come up in the <laughs> Tales from Jabba's Palace anthology book that came out, so much so that some of them reappear in Jabba's Palace later in the third movie, where one of them is tortured to death. They torture droids. That implies that droids can feel things, despite the fact that then in the prequels, 3PO gets entirely dismembered and appears to go, oh no, I appear to have lost an arm. Like... What I'm saying is Star Wars is, is, is being a child and going, this is great, but it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a thing. Anyway. Yeah, the Star Wars, that was it? That was the video of cats for me. The... Uh... <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber cats. Yeah. I've seen that more times than I can count.
you want to know what the dumbest thing is? Those Mr. Bean videos had um, an ad. They had ads in front of them because they would still win VHS had ads before they played the actual content on the VHS. You wouldn't steal a cotton No, 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 not those. No, no, that's <laughs> 90s. God, that's that's way after that point. No, this is pre that. No, the three ads were four. I'm trying to remember because they are so fucking weird. Um, it was a Thomas the Tank Engine ad of the like animated of, of the the um, claymation cartoon. It was an ad for an Eddie Izzard stand-up special. Which of course my parents thought was nonsense, so we'd just skip through that. It was like 10 seconds of videos of talking rubbish. And a trailer for one of Mike Lee's movies. And, you know, tonally, not <laughs> a comedy. <laughs> I think it was Secrets and Lies, which is not I mean, it's funny, but it's funny in a bleak way. It's not quite as bad. What's the one with them? Um, anyway, um, so those are things I still remember vividly because they were the only videos we had in the house. So... I remember vividly Rosie and Jim, which when you look back is incredibly <laughs> creepy because it's two dolls who live with a man on a canal boat. Doesn't sound creepy at all, it sounds exactly like most canal boats. <laughs> <laughs> if you can they're supposed to be a little boy and a little girl, that's worse. No, they, they're, they're, like, they're like children animated, yeah, anyway. It's not great, is it? No. To be fair, I mean, start dissecting the Wombles and it becomes pretty bad as well. Because Uncle Bulgaria wears glasses. Someone threw away some glasses, because that's the whole point of the Wombles. There's all the stuff people throw away. Who throws away their prescription glasses? Oh, people who've got people new who've died. New prescriptions. People who've died. Uncle Bulgaria is wearing a dead person's glasses. Why does that matter? It's just fucking weird. <laughs> or it's someone who's changed prescription. That's it. Yeah. No, no, no. Hang on. That's an even better point. Uncle Bulgaria needs glasses. The person with his prescription died on Wimbledon Common, and then he got the right glasses. <laughs> Otherwise, how do you get the right prescription? Just hope the right one got thrown away. Yeah. Anyway, Fracture. Um, uh, what else about Asta do we want to know? We've had a bit of backstory reveal with Asta, haven't we? So we know a little bit about where they've come from. Yes, Mum lives in Waterdeep. Does Mum still live in Waterdeep? Because there's some debate here. I think so. Okay. I think she's still there, at the temple of Lathander, with all the irritating, singy clerics. Have we revealed that she's an angel? And we've done that, haven't we? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was relatively early on. Hmm. Yeah. And like a full-on angel, just like... Yeah. Just living in a temple of Lathander. <laughs> yeah. Look, sometimes you have a baby and then you've got to raise the baby until they're at least old enough to look after themselves. And so you can't really go back to your celestial plane. Yeah, does that make sense? With your half-human baby. Implying a human other parent. Well, it kind of has to be for a... I mean, it's a humanoid anyway. Right. I think they have sort of elfy slightly elfy is, but whether that's the celestial side or the human side, or the elfy side, who knows. We've heard nothing about this uh, absent other parent. I don't think Castle knows. I know. I know what I put in. <coughs> I know what you put in as well, and it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> and I can't wait till the audience find out, which might be never. In fact, no, this is silly. We have pre-recorded. I know that it comes out in a couple weeks, and it's just the worst. But there you go. I might watch that one, because the thing is, when I'm when I'm in that moment, it's really hard to see everyone else's faces, and sometimes it's really amusing watching back, and you see everyone go like, oh. <laughs> watching people work out what happened. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, that is true. Aside from the absentee parent, are there any other Easter eggs is a weird word, but like sort of hidden details about Aster's um, life before this point that you're hanging on to? Like, I'm assuming, we haven't, that discussion's not happened on stream yet, but it's about to, that the whole, oh, I can't show emotion or give hugs is because of Celestial Radiance, so that's all connected. Yes, in 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 the way that I've built him, basically his mum's been like, don't, just, just, just keep calm, don't show any emotion, and you'll be fine. And he wow. doesn't know why. And this is why. And this is why, because she didn't want to, or it wasn't time to teach him how to control it. So he's just lived life being like, well, we just don't show emotion. Like we can be calm, we can be chill, we can be happy, but we can't be like excited or annoyed or angry. Like no extremes of emotion. It's a very sort of British way of dealing with celestial radiance. Just don't don't show any emotion at all. You're fine. Just, um, you know, bury it deep, deep down. Well, there might be some trauma there. We'll see. Oh, whoa. Oh, I see. But I think it's something that I'm really looking forward to as we build through. How does he deal with the fact that he can have emotions because he's gonna he's gonna glow anyway, right? Sure. He might as well feel the emotions. How does he deal with that? Mm-hmm. And with the other characters, how do they interact with that? Um, what does that mean? Like he hasn't actually revealed a lot about himself. To be fair, no one's asked. But he's not mm-hmm. like. There's n- there's no like what does he like what does he do like there's not a lot of that that's come out yet so there's still a lot of that still to um, reveal. There's not been a huge amount of asking. Like players aren't sat there going tell me your entire backstory. There's been a little bit of like stuff gets teased out or people volunteer information, but I don't feel that there's been a huge amount of um, sat down grilling. You know. We know that happens sometimes where players are like, yeah, yeah. oh, all these great new characters, tell me your backstory. Like, we've not, we've not had that, really. We've had little drip feeds. I think everyone's been quite respectful of drip feeds as well at the moment, which is quite nice. Yeah, I think people feel less pressured because it's a, mm. a long campaign. So there's yeah. no, like, either this stuff will come out or it'll change. <laughs> so Yes, that's also true. Your backstory is, is, is formless until you form it. It's true. Yeah. Speaking of the other characters, what do you think of the others so far, of the little backstory snippets you've had revealed? Um, I'm interested to see, I mean, Tom's very good at going like, here is my entire backstory, and then three sessions later he'd be like, and here's another bit I just thought of, and then uh, four weeks later he'd be like, and also my parents are dead, and you're like, um... Sort of tragedy layering, okay. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that's just going to get worse and worse. Hmm. Um, I I love Etalus so much, he's such a sweet boy. Um, well, Lola's playing them as this really sweet just a very sweet thicker <laughs> thembos are fun thembos and himbos and all the rest are huge amounts of fun to play because you don't need to um overthink always good but also you can make that sense of being sweet and kind and um well, like grog's the famous example you can be as ferocious and over the top as you want but it's still in in the heart of hearts a very sweet kind character who is very supportive of everybody around them yeah, it's a great foil for Stariel because it's someone who had all of that like, warmth in childhood that he didn't that he didn't yeah. have, um, yeah. that he doesn't understand, and someone who wants to share it, which is really, it's an interesting dynamic to play off. I really enjoyed the, um, can I give you a hug? No. <laughs> that, was, that was really like some, okay, these are two different wavelengths. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So that's interesting. That's that's like that's a very different dynamic. But also, they're both quite reckless and they do stupid things and they go and do stupid things together, which is is good fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, Long may that continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Book and I still haven't really had a chance to talk a lot yet. No. Um, just just situational. Um, and Cleo and I still have interesting, <laughs> um, interesting tensions. Bit of loggerheads is not a bad thing. And some nice story tension, if nothing else, but yes, drives an area forward. Um, in terms of Fracture, then, because it's a long running campaign, and because you've built a character which you want to tell a longer story with, do you have like long term goals and ambitions for Asta's story that you want to come out at some point? Or are you, have you sort of done your first bit and now it's just seeing what the world throws back that you can in- interact with? What's the, what's the plan? Right. You know me, I don't do super long-term planning. The- I know, but it's a, it's an interview show, and <laughs> I, was, I knew what the answer would be, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that you had the chance to say it. it. Is, it's less fun for me to be like, I think my character will do this and then this and then this, to be like, oh, I have met and fallen in love with random person B over here, um, and now I must make choices based on that. Um, that is that is just how it works for me like i have to do it in the moment i can't i can't plan ahead mm. we have thought mechanically about some things that might be cool for astol in terms of like feats that we might make or mm. um how they grow into being more celestial or less celestial that kind of thing mm. because that is more along the lines of like how am i going to manage the character long term are there story beats that i want to hit because they will mechanically make something different mm-hmm. But most of it, to be honest, is just in play because I can't hold it in my head. So it just has it has to I have to wait for it to come up in play. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're hoping for in particular? No, I'm looking forward to developing the emotions. Um, I'm interested to see if there's any romances that are going to form within the party. Um, Into party romance? Shocking behaviour. I can see a few different options, but I still... <laughs> what? I can see a few what? different options. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know, obviously, like, people may swap out and change. We don't know who else is going to be there. There's always NPCs. Yes. Um, not that Astle has to have a romance, but it's a storyline that I enjoy telling. So we'll see. Well, we've not had a huge number of NPCs yet because it's not really been a sort of calm, relaxed environment where you can, you know, casually meet people. <laughs> Maybe there will be at some point. Who can say? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. But I don't have anything that I'm like, oh, this must happen or I will be sad. I would like to get to Fireball. You can get to I'm, Fireball. I'm ready for Fireball. It's not that far away now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's, it's two levels off where we are at the moment. Guys, just... <laughs> you've got any hopes for the future? Fireball. I wish to learn the spell Fireball and cast the spell Fireball a few times at least. It's just like, there's something about being an evoker that is a bit yeah. rubbish until you get to the point where like, and now I can destroy yeah. all of the enemies around me. It was one of the things I really enjoyed as Shavarath was like, in this moment, because there are 20 of them, mm. I can get rid of 10 and then the rest of you can pick off the rest. But like... We're going to take half the amount of damage because ten are just out of this fight immediately. It's it's also fireball. Do you know the weird thing about fireball? It's stated incorrectly. It's purposefully stated incorrectly. It is too good. It is no no. It's purposefully too good. It's such an iconic spell, and it's got it's got such prevalence and meaning. This idea that I've learned to cast fireball and now I cast it that 
they've overpowered it slightly to make it the most enticing option because they want everyone to cast Fireball because it's a great spell and what an iconic thing to do. So, yeah, I can see it. Makes a lot of sense. It's just it's just fun as well. Like, Astral is quite fire-themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how are you feeling about new plane of existence? Like, this is not Faerun, this is something completely different. The world that's being built around you, you enjoying it? Do you, you, you like this new setup? Do you like some of the theming of it? Do you just not mind that much? <laughs> That's just what games are like, though. The DM builds what they want. Like, even if you're in Faerun, the DM is building what they want. That's true. There's yeah. no, like, it's not like, ah. I mean, obviously there's stuff in this that is that, that you have made that is kind of brand new for this setting, mm-hmm. um, which is always exciting. And it's nice not knowing what's coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not like, oh, we're in Washington, we're going to go to the Blackstaff's Tower and <laughs> Baja's going to show up and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's just working with the DM to tell the story. Mm-hmm. The whole thing around um, people not dying here and stuff like that is clearly like sort of a big linchpin off the world. Have you enjoyed the sort of playing around with the idea of that or do you just sort of go, nah, take it, must ride? I'm not massively keen on Astal becoming undead. <laughs> I think most people sit there going, wish my character was dead, that'd be fun. <laughs> no. It does, it kind of reduces the usefulness of some spells such as like, for example, speak with dead. Uh, not yeah. going to be helpful in this situation. Yes, yeah, true, um, it's pretty much useless in this situation. Anyone can speak with the dead, just ask them. <laughs> um, because there's, if there's no... If there's bones, they're usually standing, and if, there's n- if they're not standing, there's probably no bones, so... Mm. That's a, there's, there's interesting consequences for what you, how you play and what you do. You will not believe how long the document is of how do these spells now work, because you know what I'm like. I had to go through all of them, make sure I didn't cause any huge problems. Yeah. Mm. So the, that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, people not dying. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Astral will be taking a break at some point relatively soon because you'll need to take a break some point relatively soon. Astral's not having a break. Astral's off doing something exciting. Um, okay. I'm having a break, a short break. Uh, yeah. And we're having a baby, and M will be <laughs> at least a couple of weeks off, I think. I think it's what we said, a couple of weeks? Yeah. Yeah. But yes, um, that's will... exciting because we get someone else who can come in and make a character that's based on yeah. the like the, the species from this world. Like, there's there's a lot of exciting. Well, okay, okay, no, no, because I'm can happen. I'm currently in the chats and thinking about it because I don't want to pre-plan too much, but also I need to. Um, do you think it would be more exciting to have a character from this world who I can just go, hey, Lord Dump, <laughs> just get them to recite and learn all of the crap about this? It's new a lot world? to put on someone. It is, isn't it? That's the thing that worries me. The idea of going to a new player and going, hey, so your play character will be here for. They could play someone really dumb who just doesn't know anyway. Just because they live here doesn't mean they know everything. Yes, but there would still be a socialized context for their not knowing anything. Like, but that that would be interesting, and that wouldn't necessarily need to be like this is everything that's ever happened in this world. This would be like from your point of view, this is what the world was like. This is what changed. That's still a lot to put on one person. That's a huge like. That's a big. Depends who it is. Yeah, that's true. I'm excited. I think it'll be cool. But anyone who comes in yeah. who wants to play someone who's not someone who's transported from somewhere else will have to do 
that back. and that's that's the same with any world that it's true it's just that this one is um not one that exists previously whereas in Faerun people can be like oh yeah no I grew up in Baldur's Gate as part of the underground cults um <laughs> I'm sorry I, it, it's still not my strong point Faerun I no, don't know why. it's still a context which we're all familiar with. So going, my character comes from blah, 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 blah. We can all go, I understand loosely what that means. Ergo, we're good. Which all of that to the new player coming into a world that is freshly formed, that we're still building, is not completed. But then it would be very weird for someone to turn up and be like, oh, you're all also from... Oh, yeah. It would be very weird if someone turned up who's also from Faerun. That would be quite... Although a setup with seven, like most people who crashed here just left just got got on a cargo ship like you hopefully will at some point and um went away so yeah yeah but they went off into the world it's not like they're all just floating around nearby being like hi i'm this also from Waterdeep. <laughs> no, um, no it needs to be from the world i think they need to be from the world the question the question i've got is how much do i go hey here's everything you need to know about the world it's a tome we're also just a very basic your character's from here all you've ever known is xyz if, if the thing ha- is, you can fill that in as the DM in the moment. If someone asks sure. a question, they go, uh, "Chris, what would I know?" You can. That's a, that's, that's a true. that's a DM in the moment. Or you might get someone who's like, "Please tell me all the lore I want to know." Yeah, we've got a few players like that, but mm. this is true. This is true. Just thought I'd talk to you about it because we're in an opportunity moment to talk about it. <sighs> What's your like? Obviously, you're not going to reveal a big concept for the world, but do you have like ambitions? Do you have like sections of the world that you've built that are ready? Like, what's the. How have you approached making a whole new. Well, it's interesting because I haven't done it by myself, because all the other mm. World Together DMs have been invited to take part in helping build the world together, and there's been some sort of discussion around what we what we build, what we don't build. And one of the things we set up early was not to build or lock anything in specifically until there was a need for it, because it means that yeah. a new DM can then go, I want to do this thing, and we can go, cool, that's over there, that's fine. Um, there are some sort of big planar decisions that have been made because they had to be made, where a lot of the ambitions, frankly, lie. Like, there's a lot of stuff about how this world is and how it's all set up and stuff like that that I'm hoping you might delve into and explore it more and there's a major sort of plot point around a bit of it but if you don't I won't be sad about that at all because if you go that seems very cool but we're not really that bothered actually we've got other things we want to do it can just be something that's there to be explored later because this won't be the only campaign we run in this world so they've got opportunity then to explore it further um no I had a, a there's there's visual sort of aesthetic things I wanted to do, like having sort of big diesel punky ship things. Like I definitely mm. wanted that. And um, three miles long. What three were you long? thinking? Three miles long. It's ridiculous. In a world where everything is small, like rocks that float in the sky, not small. Some of them are very big, but you know what I mean. Like ships would need to be quite large. They need to be mobile living arrangements. Did you pull inspiration for that from Fallout with yeah. the big Paladini knight? People. Oh, the 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 blimp. who live in the Zeppelin, the one in Fallout Four when they turn up, when yeah. the Brotherhood turn up. Um, not specifically, but it's yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Like, I mean, they all wear par armor. Like, there's definitely like, even if you weren't thinking it, there's definitely oh, there's definite vibes. Also, it's 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 a destroyed. They call the land on the ground the wastes. That's very Fallout. But um, there's elements of that. I don't think I specifically sat down and said let's rip off the Brotherhood of Steel because. 
Also, fuck those guys. Um, but there's an element of that, no question. No, it's it's the there's there's a wider reference point here, which um, Star Wars also does, and is also a reference point for that. Um, Zeppelins were a German invention. Diesel punk is designed around the aesthetics and vibe of 1930s, 1940s. Let us not kid ourselves what the reference point here is. It is not necessarily the Brotherhood of Steel. It is fascists. Nazis. It's the Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm German. I was born and raised in Germany. And um, I don't like talking about Nazis because Nazis suck and they still exist in the world and they're all terrible. There is no mitigating factor there. Um, but there are stories around fascistic tendencies that are good stories and are good to tell, but it has to be taken into a fantasy context. Like, the Brotherhood of Steel is a great example of, look, it's an organization of people who are here to save the day and cleanse the wasteland of all ghouls and shit. And and that's the point. Like, they're meant to be this overwhelming force of, they call themselves Knight Commanders. Nazis did that too. Like, this is all... It's all tied in with the same. The stormtroopers are built around this idea of a faceless army. It's the same principle. Um, it is all that vibe, but it has to be put into a fantasy or a sci-fi context to take it away from it's all about Nazis and take it more into discussions about fascism. Mm. Um, I know it's a terrible reference point in many, many ways, but um, what's it called? Uh, Wolfenstein, that entire series. I know you've not played it and there's no reason that you would, but um, that is a game about what if Nazis won the Second World War? And it's Nazis in America, and there's all. It used to be a very silly point and shoot Doom style game, and then it started having more like deep plot points about how fucked up this would be, um, and that is very on the nose because, mm-hmm. of course, it is. They're all Nazi characters, and you, I, I, I watch playthroughs of that and go, it's just gross. Like, is it, it? I can see that you're trying to make a really interesting point about this whole sort of difficulty of dealing with fascist fascistic tendencies but doing it in the context of nazism means i just think it's gross and i hope most other people would think it's just gross like i know they don't but i hope and that's more important so taking that context out of away from nazis and more towards giant faceless armies are scary because they are dehumanized if that dehumanized force is also not alive, what does that say about being humanized at all? So, yeah, there's themes I want to dive into on that. And yeah, ridiculously big ships that dwarf the sky. Lest we forget, Darth Vader's flagship in... I think it's the third one, I think it's Return with the First Command, um, is a super Star Destroyer, which is the size of a planet <laughs> and literally crashes into the Death Star as part of the reason why it blows up. Like there's a there's a there's a visual aesthetic to that that I am tapping into and purposefully tapping into, yes. But it's not to not found a desperate not a replicating the Brotherhood of Steel specifically, it's more the ideas <laughs> that they stand for, which is also not good. <laughs> but then they fall out a great series for going everything sucks. They 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 trade and everything sucks very highly. Here's a team of scientists who are now controlling the world secretly from the underground laboratory. Cool. Um people have managed to survive nuclear explosions and now they're all ghoulified. Oh, there's gangs of raiders who actually, some can be quite nice, and they're all useless unless they're evil, and then they're really good at what they do. <laughs> it's trying to hit that balance, isn't it? Because you can't put, I mean, it works fine for a video game, but you can't put that into a D&D game, because eventually the players will be like, well, fuck this nonsense. What do you mean? As in, like, if everything is awful all the time, 
Nobody but everything to... is awful all the time. It's not. There's always something to fight against. There's very rarely a position. If there's a person in a position of authority who is universally good and always does the right Wait, thing... Wait, are you talking about Fallout or are you talking about Fracture? Fracture. No, not Fracture specifically. D&D specifically. If there is an NPC who is uniformly good in a position of authority and power, they'll sort all the problems for you. There's nothing to do. Yeah, but if you have no moments of hope or light whatsoever, people will uh, get depressed and stop playing. Yeah, that is true. But that's, to be fair, video games do that too. They do give you moments of hope and light. They just, they like to, like a lot of games like to double down. Like what's, I think what's, I just, I think it has to come from outside the party, right? It can't be constantly that your source of light and hope is from within the party. Yeah, that's true. There have to be external points. Like, for example, Davax is a really good example of that. Davax is not a perfect person. Davax is not someone who would necessarily be like, that skeleton will always have my back. Um, <laughs> because probably not. But in no. this situation, having an ally and having someone who felt like they knew what was going on was important. Um, Etalus having the conversation with the like Slenderman. Um, <laughs> the Slenderman. The one with the really long arms. Um, Shamal. Thank you. Um, not a Slenderman? Kind of, yeah, yeah, visually kind of a slender man, but not the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> a stone slender man. Um, mm. Like, that was a moment of hope, because that was just a moment of, of two very, very dumb people having a, a conversation where they both went, here's a problem, neither of us can fix it, I guess we'll just carry on. <laughs> even that, though, even that is Shades of Grey. Like, I purposefully, I wanted to choose a character who would have a particular an interesting dialectic within this world before being undead already and for um wait shimmel was undead already no 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 davax all oh, right okay but also this is not a character who we as an audience if you have watched back for us go oh look someone will help and be friendly we've gone who oh no oh not this prick because our first reaction would have been this person is not great but then they've been really great and there's an mm, are they great are they, are they, are they have they reformed and that whole chat with um uh, with Islam about like um, I've, I've done a bad thing I think that that was a moment of light because that was what Islam needed in that moment hmm. what Islam didn't need was some you know the holier than thou cleric going no you're right you should never kill people <laughs> who said that? nobody but like that would have if you'd had like a holier than a character who'd been like totally reliable um, you know, they're never going to hurt you. Mm. And, and they'd gone, no, I, I think you probably, you, you were wrong to kill that person. That's not what he needed in that moment. To it be wouldn't have been useful for the character. There were no characters even in the sanctuary that were like that because it's not very useful for first level characters. I'm teasing my way into this world. That's a terrible idea. Okay, I guess I'm doing nothing at all. Like, that's not, that's not really great. Cleo, Cleo was like that. Sorry? This is a terrible idea. Yeah, but Cleo's a player character and is purposefully playing the counter, the antithesis as a design. Um, no, the only NPC I had sort of lined up as potentially a bit judgmental is Keek. But the whole point is that Keek is dead and Keek made poor choices. So the ability yeah. for you lot to go, now oh, screw you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a conversation coming up with Keek. Um, and you can you can tell me if I if I go over the line here in terms of spoilers. But everyone else in the party is very keen to have a conversation with Keek, and Asla's like, "Why would we trust this person? They killed us all. <laughs> like they killed themselves. They killed Vuk. They stranded us here. I think we're fine." <laughs> I didn't expect quite the vitriol that you have towards Keek. Like, 
Yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the best of choices, but also it was hardly planned. Like it was an accident. The issue is, Chris, right? Yeah. Even if it was an accident, mm-hmm. Astle spent a good five rounds of com before the combat happened, going. You need to start taking us back right now, which they ignored. So no, it was negligent. I'm not saying it wasn't negligent, I'm saying it was also an accident. <laughs> the, the problem is Astle isn't like an 18-year-old teenager mm. who's like, I knew better, you didn't listen to me, and it proved that I knew better, and also now you've stranded us here. Yeah, that's true. I do feel sorry for Key. Eh. Complete victim of the plot. It needed to happen, <laughs> so it did. You did kind of fridge them. They weren't anyone's wife. Did I fridge a teacher? Is that what that is? <laughs> Can one fridge a teacher? Uh, no, because none of you had much motivation for it. Like, fridging means you draw motivation from their death and they had no character to begin with, whereas they clearly had a wealth of character for one, who had a lot about their backstory, and for two, none of you really cared that much, so... Etalus cares. Etalus cares about everybody. Mm. Etalus cares about literally everybody, which is very sweet, but also, you know, the folly of youth. <sighs> uh, were there any surprises when people started making characters? Was there anything where you were like, oh, that's going to be really interesting later on? Okay. I said to myself, I really want there to be a cleric so we can talk about the religious aspects of the game, of the, st- of the story of the world. And then Ed made a cleric and hasn't talked about the religious aspects of the world at all. <laughs> it's like, a, oh, okay. Fine, Ed guess. made a not very religious cleric. No, but no, that's not true. Halbinet was more religious. He can't. He can't. No, no, he's made a not very religious cleric. Book is not a very religious cleric. No, not really. Book is like I throw seeds into the wind, and sometimes things happen. <laughs> no, like it's it's prayer in the general direction of a god, but they don't answer back. Oh, they never do, and probably never will. Like, <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's been a surprise. Not a bad surprise, but it has been like I, th- I thought there would be more there, so I planned out some stuff there as well. Um, I hoped someone would play a warlock because of the obvious changing of patron that would come from moving into the new world. So Tom fit into that without much prodding. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? A lot of it was built around choices that you lot made while you were making characters. So there were very few sort of um, specific. I got. I hope someone makes this. I hope someone makes a cleric. Someone makes a warlock, and then they both chose to, so it just fit into that very nicely. Um, it's been interesting playing a celestial because obviously there are implications for celestials oh, in this world. Oh, in this world, my god, yes, there are. Yeah, that's going to keep biting you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, but um, that partly came out of you saying I want to play a celestial. Mm-hmm. I already had a setup for the world where I knew that, that celestial characters, um, Asimars, any connection to celestial creatures were going to be a bit connected to things. So the fact that you then, but that's also partly because you said you wanted to play a celestial. I went, oh, that's, this fits quite well with what I'm already mm-hmm. thinking, and it all locked together. Um, didn't have any major plans for Loxodons, <laughs> and yet here we are. Didn't have any major plans for Tieflings, and yet here we are. You know, so there's. Like different things that people came to me with. I'm excited about this. Can I do this? Then became an oh yeah, we'll do more with that. Like um, the voice in Cleo's head that for now shall remain nameless. Like that was 
Rebecca said, I want to play a dragon monk. They look really cool. And I went, oh, do you? And then I started making notes. Like, that was, that's a thing that happened. So, yeah, a lot of it was built around you. A lot of these ideas come from players showing interest in something and me going, well, then I'll make that a big part of the world so that your stuff ties in with the world's stuff. Yeah, that's which is nice, just good obviously. DMing. Like, don't make things in isolation, because no one else will care. Here is my world. <laughs> Here is my world. You shall care. Oh, you want to play? You want to play? Oh no, I don't have any of those in my world. No. I do feel particularly bad about one thing, and it's the thing is this is this is specific. Lola's chosen to play a ranger that's basically a very very druid heavy nature heavy ranger, and I did think to myself, should I put some more nature in? Because not much nature in yet. I mean, no. No, I think that, that I will purposefully not put it in to make the, the the reveal of it greater as we get to that point. I think that's really interesting as a, as a I mean, I, I'm not Lola, I can't speak for Lola, but mm. I think it's an interesting dichotomy to be like, everything in my life so far has been nature, and now it's just not here, it's and I don't know rubbish. what to do. Um, <laughs> and I think in many ways that allowed Lola to play Etalus being quite thrown, whereas had mm. there been lots of nature here, I think there would have been a comfort sense from that that just was gone. That is true. Yeah. That is very true. So, I mean, it's funny because when, when Ebba's first talking about making a cleric, he went, I'll, I'll play a cleric, it'll be great. And then there'll be a cleric of nature, and that's a druid. And he went, no, no, no. Is it? Go, Hang on, what's the difference? It's basically the same, just you get heavy arm. I said, oh, heavy arm, and that sounds fun. Like, it was, that was the only thought process that happened. <laughs> he didn't even make himself strong enough to walk wear it. In it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I tend to have a bit of hand in helping players make characters, but in that case, I, I just let it happen. But it was funny. <laughs> also, Ed's, Ed's, Ed's brilliant, because Ed wouldn't turn up and be like, oh, no, why didn't you tell me this? Ed was like, fine, can only walk <laughs> 20 feet. Guess I'll be slow. <laughs> <laughs> can we fix this? Because you, you shuffle. Like, I didn't explain that, because he doesn't, does he shuffle? <laughs> 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 I don't think of it as shuffling, I think he's just a bit slow. The, the tragedy of making a frontline character that you can't actually get into combat because they're too slow. Come on, I'm going to fix it. You know I'm going to fix it. It's <laughs> to, has to suffer a little bit. I think last... Okay, considering what, what happened on Tuesday, he's definitely suffered enough. I think that's done. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's the joy of having one character who wears heavy armor when everyone else is generally relatively dexy and you're like, we will never sneak anywhere ever. Um, well, I, was, I can't remember when I was saying it. I was saying it recently in a thing where... Um, the whole point about um, the, the, if there's one character in heavy armor, take the average. It's only really fair that the other people are probably going, can you just, sh as, as you're walking along, unless you want them to be discovered and then don't take the average because the person in heavy armor will always fail. Tis the way. Ah, oh, this silly game. Anything else you want to throw in last minute about Astral or, or Fracturing last minute thoughts or questions or ideas or? No? Yes? I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. It's 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 a lot of fun, which I hope comes across I in the so. <laughs> in the recordings. Um, oh, it comes across in the recordings. <laughs> We've not been doing not blooper reels recently because it's just not been time. But um, <laughs> the, the amount of laughter. It, I will say this, Fracture. I, I love everything about it, but the thing I enjoy most about it is how much fun we are having as a group. Like. Our recording sessions are so much. We laugh so much. We, it's so engaging to. 
it's not just we're all sat down to tell this story it's we're all sat down to have fun with each other and that really yeah. i hope that comes across it makes a possible. big difference when you're playing like you need to have those yeah. uh yeah this 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 could end up in hysterics very easily on that last episode the editors say there's about a there's about a um about 45 second to a minute long gap that gets edited out where lola gets the giggles and literally cannot stop laughing then you can't stop laughing <laughs> then we all can't stop laughing i try and rein it back in about three or four times and every time it just becomes a okay we need to stop for a second everyone just hold your breath <laughs> yeah the issue is Ed and Rebecca and Tom are all trained actors. They're better at this. Lola and I are just, uh, you know, normal people. <laughs> no, no, they also get giggle fits. It's not like it's an oh god, we can't love. It's it's more of a um, oh, we we need to like we need to get to the point of this scene. We're just <laughs> laughing, <laughs> just interrupting any sense of storytelling by having too much fun. We're having too much fun. No such thing. No such thing. Well, anyway. Hope that's coming across and thank you for joining us today and thank you emma for joining us to talk about astariel and about fracture um friends watching out there on the internets you too can watch fracture it's on tuesdays it's not on next tuesday next tuesday is our um monthly one shot we do a one shot on tuesdays uh this week's one is lola's lola's doing a a one shot mm. called the dreaming vortex more about that next week obviously um, but yes, that's on Tuesday, and on Monday we have the first episode of Sean's new four-part, um, At Death's Door, which is, as the that title... sounds just like Sean. Oh, it's, 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 it's more, it's the third part, it's the, it's the final, overarching, complete... Oh, they're all gonna die. <laughs> in some sort of horrible, flesh-consuming way. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very much what's, what's in, on in the cards here, as well as um, Evie's character, who survived the one-shot from last month, is stepping through into this world to help out with all of this stuff, so everything's connected, everything's connected. But yes, that's on Monday, and then Lola's one-shot is on Tuesday, so join us for those. Um, everything is streamed at twitch.tv slash altogetherrpg you can find everything archived at youtube.com slash altogetherrpg and you can find podcast versions of all of our shows everywhere just search for altogetherrpg thank you to the d20 club you are marvellous yes yes you're better than i am I? <laughs> i've got smaller hands yeah significantly um, smaller hands mm. uh, massive thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters and uh yeah see you very soon thank you everyone Bye-bye.